Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Roomy Force Calf Cube. Maximize calf performance and health at grass by optimizing the function of the rumen. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. Later, an update on the acre scheme compromise payouts. Dairy Beef 500 Farm Walk on 27th of February. Health events and reminders for dairy farms and dairy farms. Fertiliser slurry plan in February. Gene editing vote gives hope to tillage challenges. The European Parliament approved proposals to allow farmers across the European Union to access gene edited seed recently. This means that trilogue negotiations can commence once member states agree on their position on the technology, which is currently banned in the European Union. MEPs voted to ban patents for varieties developed using new genomic techniques to try and settle intellectual property fears raised since the proposals were tabled by the European Commission last year. The main benefit of allowing new genomic techniques would be the faster development of new varieties and the improvement of existing ones. IFA National Grain Chair Mr Kieran McAvoy said that Minister McConnellogue must deliver an exemption to the three-crop rule and crop diversification requirements for tillage farmers in 2024. Mr McAvoy said he was glad Minister McConnellogue had confirmed he is now seeking an exemption from the rule. He said this must be secured as a matter of urgency. Mr McAvoy said IFA Brussels will be working on these issues. He pointed out... The autumn of 2023 had been very difficult nationally. Chagas analysis estimated that 35,000 hectares less of winter arable crops had been sown for harvest 24 compared with 2023. Mr McAvoy went on to say it had been well documented the supply of cereal seed is extremely finely balanced for this season. He pointed out many growers would have planned on establishing winter wheat varieties in the month of February. However, recent rainfall had made this impossible, further highlighting the need for flexibility in making cropping decisions on farm. An IFA delegation met with officials from the Crop Policy Division in the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine at the end of January and sought flexibility from crop diversification requirements. The issues were also raised by the IFA President, Mr Francie Gorman, at a recent meeting with the Minister of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnellogue. The situation was now more serious and the Department should urgently seek approval from Brussels for a derogation to the GAEC 7 requirements of crop diversification and the three-crop rule. The IFA National Grain Chair, Mr Kieran McAvoy, concluded... IFA National Poultry Chair, Mr Nigel Sweetnam, IFA National Pig Chair, Mr Roy Galley, and IFA National Poultry Vice Chair, Mr Brendan Soden, travelled to Brussels in recent days, urging Irish MEPs to support a proposed amendment to IED, the Industrial Emissions Directive. The proposed amendment seeks to revert the directive back to Parliament's original position before the trilogue negotiations took place with the EU Commission and the EU Council. The IFA visiting delegation made it clear that without this amendment, the IED would bring very small pig and poultry units into a scenario where they needed a full EPA licence. Next in our programme, an update on Cork West ploughing. Joining us on the farm programme, Miss Caroline Jennings, PRO for the Cork West 
Plumbing Association. First of all, Caroline, welcome to the programme. You have an update now on ploughing matters in Cork West. I do, John. Thank you very much. Due to weather conditions overhead and ground conditions underfoot, a lot of our matches for West Cork have been cancelled or postponed. There has been a new set of dates um, decided, um, but of course these are all dependent on the weather. Carramore, which was due to be held this coming Sunday, the 18th of February, has now been rescheduled for Sunday, February the 25th. The other dates are as follows. Clagoc, the 3rd of March. Clannacilty, the 10th of March, which will be the county ploughing final. Timaleague, on the bank holiday Monday, the 18th of March. In regards to Carmore ploughing match, the details are as follows. Carmore Ploughing Association will hold their 68th annual ploughing match on Sunday, the 25th of February, weather permitting, on the lands of Dermot Cuhan, Craig Begg, Clannacilty. And the nearest air code to, that, to the ploughing site is P85XA. Seven, eight. Entries are to be with Richard White on zero eight six three three nine seven double zero nine by eight pm Friday the twenty third. Now, just to take note that entries will have to be with Richard White on zero eight six double three nine seven double zero nine by eight pm Friday the twenty third of February. All going well. Ploughing should commence at eleven am sharp. So thank you very much indeed, Ms. Caroline Jennings, PRO for the Cork West Ploughing Association. Thank you, Caroline, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. The recent drop in the number of students choosing agricultural science for their leaving cert is a concern amongst teachers, it's understood. Since 2021, 1,000 fewer students are choosing to study agricultural science as a leaving certificate subject. Ms. Sarah McIntosh writing in the Irish Farmers' Journal, shares the results of a survey conducted by the journal. With 112 agricultural science teachers responding, 76% of the teachers said they'd seen a decline in the number of students studying the subject since the introduction of the new syllabus. 78% of teachers said they also believe the new specification is discouraging students from selecting agricultural science for their leaving cert. Writing in this week's Irish Farmers' Journal, Ms. Sarah McIntosh, education journalist with the Irish Farmers' Journal, poses the question, are students being turned off by agricultural science? Chagas Kildolson College will be hosting their annual careers day for potential students on Friday 1st of March, starting 10am. This event promises to provide prospective students with valuable insights into potential courses and career paths in the land-based sector. As the largest land-based college in Ireland, dedicated to nurturing future professionals and leaders of the agriculture, horticulture and equine industries, Kildolton College say they recognise the importance of preparing students for successful careers in their chosen fields. Most recently, in the autumn of 2023, Chagas launched the Work-Based Apprenticeships, two of which are being delivered at Kildolton College Sports Turf Management and Farm Management. The college open day on 1st of March will feature a variety of activities and resources designed to help prospective students explore the options for studying at Kildolton College. 
Later in the program, we talk to Joe Day regarding various other aspects of the Chagas Kildalton Annual Careers Open Day, 1st of March, starting 10am. All welcome to attend. The national cattle herd fell by over 25,000 head in 2023 when compared with the previous year, according to new figures from the CSO Central Statistics Office. The 25,900 head drop in the 12 months to December 23 represents a 0.4% decrease in cattle numbers nationally. As of the end of last year, the national herd stood at 6,526,000 head of cattle. Cattle aged two years and over increased by 13%, a 43,700 head rise. Dairy cow numbers increased marginally by 600 head. Meanwhile, cows classified as, quote, other decreased by 5%, a 43,200 head drop. Sheep numbers are estimated to have decreased by 23,000 in 2023, when compared with the year 2022, while pigs saw the largest decrease in numbers across all livestock last year. The number of pigs fell by 10.4% in 2023 compared with the previous year. This represents a drop of 162,800 to 1,407,600 as of December 2023. A more detailed analysis with Miss Anne O'Donoghue, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal, writing in this week's journal. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Miss Anne O'Donoghue, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Anne, welcome to the programme. Now, in the journal this week, you've got several articles, a number of articles, but I think the most um, hopeful one, the one which farmers will be most happy to hear about, is up to €5,000 for farmers in acres compromised. What's the background to that, Anne? Yes, John. So a lot, I suppose farmers who are affected by the delay in the acres payments will be well aware of the background to it. But just for all listeners, um, farmers who were in the first tranche of the acres programme, which is kind of the Department of Agriculture's flagship agri-environmental scheme at the moment, they were supposed to receive a payment before Christmas. In early to mid-December, it became apparent that those payments were going to be delayed. At that time, then, it was said that they'd be paid by February. And as I suppose we're moving in and through February, there has been mounting pressure for these payments to be made to farmers. Um, now, it, the, the more background to this, John, the issue is because of Department of Agriculture's IT system. It's not that the funds aren't available. So throughout the month, I suppose, it's the mounting pressure on the Minister for Agriculture to make this payment. And he announced this week that he is going to in a, in a pot, pot I, as far as I'm aware, has never been done before move, is going to completely bypass the department's own IT system and basically make an interim payment to farmers from the national exchequer completely separately. Farmers listening, especially farmers who are waiting on their delayed acres payment, which there are 26,000 farmers waiting for their acres payment month, they're going to want to know when and how much. And suppose how much? There are two different streams to acres. In the cooperation stream, farmers receive a flat rate payment. All farmers who are waiting on their payment in cooperation receive a flat rate payment of €5,000. And farmers in the general stream will receive a flat rate payment of €4,000. 
So I was then looking for the, then I suppose the Wayne question. Um, the Minister for Agriculture has said that he is committing and confident that these will be made by the end of the month. So because these are because of the nature of how this is going to be paid, it's a little bit complicated as to you know what what happens when the actual payment is made. So when farmers get their what I'll call their original acres payment, the amount this flat rate amount is going to be deducted from what they should have had. Um, so that's kind of where we're at at the moment. When these when these original payments will be made. Don't know. There's no definite timeline at the moment. Um, uh, John currently IFA. He said that from their understanding, it could be the end of May before these payments are made. That's the original payments. The flat, as I said, just reiterate those flat rate interim acres payments will be made by the end of the month. That's great news, and of course, a full admiration for the Minister for Agriculture or any bureaucrat or politician who can bypass the IT system because farmers are used to being told, oh, the delay, it's a computer delay. We now await uh, farmers receiving those payments you've outlined as soon as possible when the full acres payments are delivered and eventually issued. Of course, there'll be a calculation and uh, people will have the amount they got um, adjusted. Another very interesting article in the Irish Farmers Journal in the news section, page 8 there, Saturday, 17th of February, 2024. It's a very long article by you with a map, a detailed map, including Cork. 13 county councils identify farmers spreading slurry during closed period. Now, I think the general public will be relieved to know the councils are keeping a very close eye on the correct operation of the slurry spreading. So I suppose just the article you're referring to, you were saying it's quite long, it is, and I suppose the map that is beside the article really tells the story. Um, I went to all the county councils in the country, so 31 local, local authorities, and I went to all the councils. Um, so that is the, the 26 county councils, and then Limerick and Waterford, so that brings it to 28. And I asked them how many farmers had they found to have spread sorry, during the closed period. That's the closed period running from 2023 into 2024, the one we're just, just out of. So there are 13 councils that found farmers to have spread sorry, in the closed period, so that's less than half. Um, and it's quite interesting. There's some higher numbers in some counties. Obviously, there's quite a lot with none and then lower numbers in others. Um, some of the kind of standout ones, I suppose, Kerry was the highest, was nine farmers found to have spread, sorry, obviously your listeners of one county in particular, they're going to be very interested in that is Cork. Um, three farmers found to have spread, sorry, in Cork by Cork County Council. And it was just, I suppose, important, especially for your listeners to know, John, Cork has the highest percentage of farmers, or yeah, the highest number of farmers, excuse me, in the country. Um, so I suppose you can, they can take their own reading of that. But Cork County Council also came back and said that they had had 19 reports of slurry spreading to the council. And in the end, 12 of those were, they were said that they were, soil, they were soiled water. And then they had three, obviously, they identified the slurry and the rest of the reports then they said they couldn't, um, there wasn't sufficient information about the incident to follow it up or to substantiate it. Um, so yeah, there's lots of detail on that map there. As I said, Kerry is an outlier. Um, up then to the other higher numbers, seven farmers in Cavan and Mead found to have spread slurry by those uh, each of those uh, county councils. And then if you look at Monaghan, there's four farmers to have spread slurry in Monaghan. Um, that's quite, looking at that, just the farmers, farmer listeners will definitely know the closed period, it's an A zone, a B zone, and a C zone. And that C zone, which is the last cohort of counties to come out of the closed period is 
Monaghan, Cavan, Leitrim, Donegal. Now, there's zero interest, excuse me, there's zero incidence in Donegal and Leitrim, but you probably wouldn't have the percentage of cattle farmers in those counties either. So, as was there, they, those counties in the sea zone come under more pressure um, because they're in the closed period for a longer amount of time. But the map really, <laughs> unfortunately, now we're on an audio format, but the map really tells the story here. Um, and as I said, there's lots of detail there, but I feel people will be primarily interested in the map. That's great, Anne. Of course, uh, get the journal, buy the journal for Saturday, 17th of February 2024, for full details. An immense amount of uh, illustrated examples there. 13 county councils identify farmers spreading slurry during the closed period. That's wonderful, Anne. And just finally, a fleeting reminder that you have an article too in the journal. Cattle numbers fell by over 25,000 in 2023. Also details of uh, sheep, etc. But thank you very much indeed, Miss Anne O'Donoghue, Irish Farmers Journal News Correspondent. And thank you very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thanks very much, John. You're very welcome. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr Adrian O'Callaghan, Chagas Dairy Advisor with the office in Sandfield in Mallow. First of all, Adrian, welcome to the programme. Now, as Dairy Advisor... Obviously, you have details of the very important Dairy Beef 500 Farm Walk. When and where is that taking place and who's invited? The Dairy Beef 500 Farm Walk. Yeah, thanks, John. Um, Yeah, there's a Dairy Beef 500 Farm Walk um, on the farm of James O'Sullivan Union Hall um, in in West Cork. Uh, It's on Tuesday, the 27th of February at 12 p.m., so 12 noon. And I suppose on that day, the topics that will be discussed are uh, James O'Sullivan's farming system and, and financial to the farm. I suppose calf management and, and calf eating, which is topical at this time of the year um, for James in his system, Dairy B500, buying in um, calves, the spring grassland management and a bit on the signpost program and um, then planning for silage and weed control on the farm. So... That's Tuesday, the 27th of February at uh, 12 p.m. And I suppose, look, it's open to, to, to both dairy farmers and beef farmers because I suppose, look, they they both need each other. Um, a synergy, uh, dairy farmers selling the cows and, and, and beef farmers um, involved in dairy beef, um, rearing them um, to finish. So that event, it should be a good event. Now, Adrian, do you have an air code or could we yeah. say that people from all over the county are invited? Yeah, John, yeah, it's P81CK00. That's great. And one final uh, reminder, just please give us the venue and the date, please. Yeah, um, so the date is Tuesday the 27th of February, so we're a bit away from a jet, but people might need to line up that day. Uh, the time is 12 noon. And, and the farmer's name, James O'Sullivan, Union, Union Hall, County Cork, um, air code P81CK00. And essentially open to all listeners with an interest in that uh, sector. Absolutely open to everyone, so um, um, all farmers can attend. You probably have a priority list or a reminder list of uh, health events and reminders for dairy farm listeners at the moment. So, Adrian, details of health events or reminders you may have there on a list? Yeah, look, I suppose, look, just a few a few reminders uh, to, to to dairy clients, I suppose, we work with at the moment on, on, on health-related issues. So, I suppose, look, busy time, uh, a lot of cows calving in the month of February, and I suppose just a reminder just to, 
to not to forget the, the dry cow minerals uh, to the dry cows. Sometimes they get a bit forgotten about because of workload. Um, 120 grams per head per day is needed. And I suppose, you know, you have, you have, you have numbers of cows moving from different groups, from the dry cow group into the, into the milking group. So just to keep an eye on the, on, on the amount of minerals going in. I suppose lime in cubicles, um, which disinfectant lime uh, twice a day. And this is especially important for the, for the group that have calved because I suppose maybe with weather conditions they still haven't maybe just got out of sheds yet so just to keep on top of the liming um, for that group from the point of view of cell count and uh, and mastitis um, you know group sizes as I said are, are changing within within sheds like so just to again you're adding to the milking group so just ensure that there's enough cubicles for, for this new calved group the group that are kind of the fresh cows uh, just make sure the area that you give them that they all have a cubicle and, and, and it's well disinfected. I suppose the other things to consider for cows, I suppose, is milk fever. Um, the, the question to ask is, are you getting cases of milk fever? And if you are, I suppose not to ignore them. Like, you know, the, the milk fever can be easily treated, but I suppose the point is, is that if you're getting clinical cases, it means for every one clinical case, you're going to have multiple subclinical cases that you don't see. And I suppose, um, like, milk fever by its nature is... Um, it affects muscle and, 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 and muscle functionality and like it leads to other trouble like uh, cows not cleaning and cell count, um, the little muscle on the end of the teeth in doesn't close and stuff like that. So to look at that if you're getting them and to assess the body condition of, of cows and over conditioned cows are going to be are going to be at a greater risk of it. Um, look at the silage if you're getting cases, high, high potash in silage can be a problem. The dry cow minerals, as I already mentioned, just to make sure that you keep on top of that. And I suppose the last thing then, I suppose, is um, is to just to book the milk recording um, at this stage. Um, we want people to do the first milk recording within 60 days of calving. So for people that started calving there on the on the 20th of uh, on the 20th of January or something like that, like 60 days, so that is coming up at the end of February, the start of March. So just to, to book it in time and, uh, and so that it gets done. And, you know, for for cows that are coming in, then fresh cows before they go into the tank, I suppose, just to, to use the CMT test case um, to test cows um, for mastitis and for high cell count before they go into the tank, because it's it's the best time to do it. And um, it's, it, it'll, I know it's a little extra workload, but it will reduce the incidence of cell count and mastitis in the herd as we as we go along. So I suppose the other groups of animals just in on, on, on this, so that's the cows, I suppose the maiden heifers. Again, a group that probably get a little bit forgotten about when workload is, is heavy. So um, just to assess their weight, I suppose, really, they need to be 330 or 360 kgs on the 1st of May. Um, so like inside on silage alone, they'll only probably do quarter of a kg, 0.3 of a kg a day. If you add ration into that a kg, they'll probably do a half a kg a day. So, like, if they're behind target, they're not going to put on weight, whereas out on grass, they'll do 0.8 or 1 kg a day. So, assess them. Are they on target? At this stage, they need to be probably somewhere in the region of 280 to 300 kgs to be on target to get to 360 by the 1st of May. Like, we're 60 or 70 days away from, from, from that now. So, I suppose we need to look at them. And for the lighter ones, the best thing you could do for them is actually let them out. Let them out and get them onto grass and get them putting on weight. And even a bit of ration uh, along with that will we'll, 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 we'll turn them inside out over the next six, 60, 70 days. Um, and the other thing then is the vaccinations. Like, they're important. Um, like, the two key dates, um, Valentine's Day, 14th of February, we've just passed. 
and and Patrick's Day the 17th of March. So really, like the in the maiden heifers should have got the, their vaccines now at this stage this week, and every all cows and all maiden heifers then would be would be vaccinated again um, on the Patrick's Day. So you're you're boosting the heifers at that stage and boosting the cows on, on Patrick's Day. And the last thing then is calves. I suppose just remember the colostrum, the one, two, three, the first milk in within two hours and give them three litres. Uh, I suppose the important thing is to test if we can get lads to use a refractometer to test the colostrum. We want a reading at 22%. And this is important not only for the, the colostrum you feed to, to calves, but some fellas would now have surplus and they would be freezing it. So you want to freeze the good stuff, not the poor stuff. So we need to be testing it. And I suppose the last thing then is just this transition milk. So milk that's that comes from the cow from day two to day six while you're waiting for withdrawal periods that has a health benefit for calves so i suppose really calves should be kept on 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 get the colostrum then get the transition milk for three or four days before they go on to to milk replacer at at, at that stage a fertilizer slurry plan linked to weather forecasting we know in february obviously in february there's always a risk of a runoff but insofar as you can before talking about a fertiliser slurry plan, you might just outline one or two scenarios because we know with the weather, the weather variables, talking about uh, preventing slurry from uh, leaching out. So if you had to outline for dairy farms some suggestions regarding a fertiliser slurry plan for dairy farms in February. Yeah, look, sure. I suppose at this stage, John, like a lot of people would have had would have slurry a degree of slurry spread on the farm uh, since the 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 opening date on 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 thirteenth of January. So, um, like at this stage, most fellas might have forty or fifty percent of the farm covered with 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 slurry and the grazing platform, and that's enough for February. Like um, that's a ground that's 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 somewhere between uh, around sixteen units of nitrogen that 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 ground 16 to 20 units of nitrogen that that ground has got has got 2,000 to 2,500 gallons of slurry so really that probably was done in January or January stroke February so that ground doesn't need to be thought about again now until until March from a fertiliser point, point of view because the slurry has given it the nutrients From so then you're left with 60% of the farm and I suppose currently we're sitting uh, we're, we're currently we're, we're sitting roughly on the 16th 17th of of um, of February, um, so like at this stage, we should have 15 16 percent of the farm grazed. So, that once it's grazed, if you can travel, and I accept a lot of rain and, and, and ground is tender, but if you can travel it uh, to give it two and a half thousand gallons of slurry, that will give it 20 units. So, again, that box is ticked, and any ground you graze from now to the first of March can get slurry as well. Um, at that stage, then we, we have the guts of 70 percent of the farm taken care of with slurry. And the last piece then is 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 the is the ground we're going to graze between March uh, the first of March and the seventeenth of March. That thirty percent that that probably needs twenty three units of protected urea in the month of in the month of February. So look, I would say not an awful lot of fertilizer gone out yet. Um, probably fifty percent of the farm at this stage has got slurry. If you can't go with slurry, you need to go with some sort of fertilizer in the next in the next fortnight. We would say um, there's no real time lost yet. Um, I suppose the key thing is to remember is the correct rate, the correct time and the correct condition. So the correct rate is slurry and then that's taken care of. You don't need any more fertiliser. If the ground has got nothing, you can go with fertiliser 23 units or 2,500 gallons of slurry. The correct time, I suppose, is really any time from now on. Like we have soil temperatures up at 8 or 9 degrees. 
We have predicted growth in the next week going to be somewhere between 9 and 12 kgs of dry matter growth. Um, so grass is starting to, to take off. Um, and the last one is the correct conditions. So really, we want 48 hours dry weather after spreading it. And But we need to be able to travel as well. Like you know, So um, I suppose every person is going to have to assess, assess their conditions. And land traffability will will have to improve on a lot of farms for 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 fertilizer to be sprayed. But like days are getting longer. Um, if it can stop raining, ground ground will dry out uh, quicker. And I suppose the key thing is is that to have the fertilizer ready, like a one and a half ton of protected urea at a rate of twenty three units, you'll cover with one pallet. Um, you will cover sixty acres. So we don't need all we need is that fertilizer that will cover it for February. Um, and so it's important then to, to be ready when you can go to have that fertiliser in the yard and a, and a lot of farms I call to or talk to don't have fertiliser in the yard yet so I would be saying to, to start thinking about it and to have it in the yard and once that, that, that land, the land um, dries up a bit and you can travel you have it there to go rather than ordering it on the day you think you can travel and, and, and missing a week or 10 days before it, it gets to you now, Adrian, talking about a grazing plan after all of the slurry has been absorbed, you know, how soon can you talk about a grazing plan for dairy farms in the month of February? Yeah, look, I suppose, again, um, it's been difficult. Um, we've had just got rain um, in February there when, 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 we, when we wanted to get cows out and, and, and probably not an awful lot of cows out just yet. Um, but I suppose the target is, just to remind again, the target is 30% of the farm or the platform to be grazed in February and 60, uh, 60%, uh, 65% in, in um, by, by Patrick's Day. So, like, at this stage, I suppose we're on the, as I said, the, the 15th to 16th of, of, um, of February. So, like, we should have close on 15% graze today. And I'd say in a lot of farms, they're behind target, and that's okay. We will pick up the we will pick up the slack. But I suppose if you've nothing grazed yet, and you're saying, "Well, I can't because ground conditions uh, don't allow." Uh, like I understand workload. Farmers are inside in farmyards for 12, 14 hours a day. They have plenty of work inside the farmyard. They don't go out onto the land. But I would say, give if you get an hour walk the farm, um, pick the few dry paddocks and and make a start there. Um, even though you can hear rain hopping off the roof all the time, it doesn't mean that there is a field out there that that that, that ground conditions are good enough to underfoot to go grazing. So I suppose that's the first thing. Um, if you walk out in it, it is too wet. It is too wet. So you just have to. We have to deal with that. I suppose if you can find a place in, we're talking about going out for two or three hours um, in a day. That two or three hours, like people will get four, five, six kgs of, of dry matter or grass into into cows. And you'd be amazed, like, that's that's half their diet straight away. Um, so, like, that two or three hours makes a big difference. Um, so we're talking about, I suppose, milking cows in the morning, uh, whatever it is, eight or nine o'clock, um, maybe let them back into the shed without access to silage. So you create um, a bit of an appetite, let them off in it at around 11 o'clock. And you'll be looking then to bring them in three hours later, maybe after lunch, two o'clock, and, and they come back in. And you'll have achieved an awful lot for your solids and for your protein percent and your liters um, by doing that. Uh, I suppose a few key things, two to three hour grazing, dry, uh, the driest part of the farm, um, low covers if you can start off with is uh, something less than a thousand. 
Um, entry points are important, so pick the field that have the best uh, infrastructure so you can go in one gap and come out the other. And sometimes we, we, we talk about sacrifice um, um, roads, um, um, spur roadways that you, you know you sacrifice, you, you, you damage a small area to, to save damaging a big area. And, 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 you know, in two or three months' time, we won't even see where they were again. Um, so, like, really, I suppose um, it's, to, it's just to get out going. Once you get out once, once you get going grazing and you get cows out, the cows will want to be out every day then so you can it's easier to do it um so i suppose the biggest step is to to get going and get them out and um and i say the first point is walk the farm and find the driest parts and um and go from there well that's great plenty of very useful information there including reminders about various uh, upcoming events thank you very much indeed mr adrian o'callaghan Chagask Dairy Advisor, Sandfield in Mallow and Cork. Thank you, Adrian, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thanks, John. Thank you. We are joined on the Dairy Gould Farm Talk programme by Mr Joe Day, Kildalton College in Kilkenny. First of all, Joe, welcome to the programme. Now, your college is hosting a very important annual Careers Day. Could you please tell us something about this Careers Open Day, which you're hosting, the date, venue, etc.? No problem. First of all, thanks very much for having me on, John. Um, um, we're, uh, I, I'm, we're our open day is due to go ahead on Friday the 1st of March and the tours will start at 10 a.m. So it's open to the public and by that we mean to um, students, second level students, um, mature students, um, parents, uh, teachers, to the general public. The tours will start at 10 and they, um, they'll be brought on a guided tour of our facilities, which I can talk about in a minute, and uh, th- those tours will continue until a, a until about 11 um, and you'd want to allow two hours just to complete the tour so between 10 and 11 the tours will start uh, it's preferable to actually book in um, with my colleagues there so we can guide you towards what's the best slot to arrive in so that you're not waiting too long and um, because some of the, the schools will have booked in ahead but certainly it's open to the general public the farming community the wider community and to any parents that want to bring prospective students uh, to see the facilities meet the staff and uh, meet some students and um see what's involved in a day in the life of Kildalton College. Now, could you say a word or two about the work-based apprenticeships which uh, Chagas launched there? So nowadays we find uh, a great um, conversation about the value of apprenticeships. So the work-based apprenticeships available at Kildalton College... Yeah, and good to the opportunity to talk about them. So on, on the open day, it won't be just promoting the courses in Kildalton. Uh, we will also have um, our uh, sister college, SETU, so what was called WIT, Water Institute Technology, they will be there just for students that want to progress from our courses into um, higher learning. But we'll also have um, staff there from Chagas that are happy to, to guide students through the, uh, the options that um, they could look to pursue instead of going to agricultural college um, or horticulture college. Uh, instead they could go into apprenticeships which I suppose is more work-based learning for want of their description so my, my colleagues Marcella and her team will be there on the day and I suppose the focus at the moment because the apprenticeships are just really up and running at this point will be on farm operative and farm manager apprenticeships that have been launched at the agriculture side and there's a, a sports turf apprenticeship at the um, horticulture side that has been launched as well so AIM will be there to guide people through that everything from 
Um, how do you get matched up with a, an employer or a host? Um, so how many days off work you'd need to complete the course? How long it weighs? All those kind of simple questions. But it's um, on the basis that we actually have students um, ourselves and our sister colleges have students up and running those courses. We'll be able to give them quite accurate information um, on their, their options there. If they're looking for an alternative to studying agriculture or horticulture or echoing within the college environment. The Kildalton College Open Day. Would you just outline to our listeners the great variety of activities and resources designed to help uh, prospective students explore options of studying at your college, Kildalton College? Just list a few of the main ones. A great variety. Yeah, well, um, I suppose a lot of the time when, when people think of going to college, they think of the course, but sometimes the, the experience the student gets in terms of building their confidence and, I suppose, um, broadening their interests and comes from what they experience on site or with friends or, or what they might turn their hand to that they normally wouldn't um, uh, be exposed to at home. So uh, within the college environment here, we would, we would offer students the, the, the opportunity to partake in um, hurling or football. And this past year, we would have had a, a camogie team. And also, uh, for the last number of years, we've had ladies' football teams. Um, there would also be a team go forward for inter-colleges challenges, and they do everything there from public speaking to tug-of-war to um, problem-solving and, and all sorts of stuff in between as well, John. Um, and uh, other, I'd say, I suppose, outside of the actual, I suppose, there's recreational areas there for students in terms of um, canteens and facilities there where they would meet maybe either between classes, before classes or after classes. But uh, we wouldn't, we'd only be located about 20 minutes from Waterford City, so a lot of the time the students would um, make their way in there socialising in the evenings um, because we're, we're, we're quite near it. Um, I suppose just in terms of the, the campus itself, um, it's quite a broad range of facilities we've here. And we would run some courses um, that link into the degree programmes in, in Waterford. Uh, in SETU, so we would have science labs here where there would be um, dissections taking place on hearts, lungs, small intestines, reproductive organs of animals, as well as doing some soil analysis, as well as maybe uh, dry matter on, on grasses and different plants. Um, and our, our, our uh, colleagues in the Horticulture Cycle Dalton would use it a lot in terms of doing um, botanical samples, so, um, and a uh, colleague there that would do a lot in terms of floristry as well. So there's quite a broad range of, of activities going on here in the facilities. Uh, that may be more than just agriculture. Of course, we have the, the, the um, equine school as well, uh, where they do two particular streams, one uh, focusing mainly on the breeding and the other on the riding, and they would have very, very good facilities there, both in terms of the stables, the, the main yard, uh, indoor arena and outdoor arena for, um, I suppose, uh, helping train the student, but also training horses as well. So in, in, in an average day, there's quite a, a broad range of activities going on. For a lot of the courses, they would spend half their day in the class and half the day out in the yard or in the field, um, I suppose, applying that knowledge and building their practical skills. So it's, it's, um, it's quite an applied and busy place here. That sounds absolutely wonderful. Now, Joe, who is invited specifically, you know, we think of uh, school leavers, but even mature students. Uh, so who's invited? Quite a range of people, quite, quite open. Yeah, so on a careers day, typically we would have maybe three different um, cohorts coming through. Uh, the first would be those that might um, come along with, uh, from take a few hours off uh, at, at their time in secondary school, probably fifth year and leaving cert more than any other group, and they would come along with maybe an ex science or a careers teacher, and they would look at facilities and hear about the courses, and that would be fairly standard. We'd also get parents bringing maybe a, um, a son or a daughter and maybe a friend that was also interested 
from up the country, they would, a, a car load would come down in a kind of a family unit as such, and the third group would be maybe a mature student that would be coming off their own bat, looking to pursue maybe a change of career or pursue some of the distance education courses or the, um, the standalone um, individual modules, particularly at the horticulture side, that are offered. So there'd be three main, I suppose, groupings of individuals that would come to our careers day. But the day is open, absolutely open to the public. Uh, or we'd say is that if you're, if you're, if you're coming, um, particularly with a group, do look to book in so that we can steer you towards where you're less likely to be waiting around that long. Uh, the tours start at 10. And they run to the, the, the start of the tours then run right up to 11 o'clock and you want to allow two hours just to complete the tour. So it's preferable to contact the Martina at 051-644-400 so as to book in for that tour and she'll guide you the preferable time to arrive on site. That's fine. You should book in, if you're coming with a fairly large group, it's ideal to book in at the number you gave there, but at the same time, specifically smaller groups or single people, people wouldn't be required to actually book in advance if you're just coming along by yourself. Absolutely, more than welcome, and particularly if last minute, depending on the weather, the work at home, um, how much homework or farm work is going on, if someone wants to just jump in the car and, and, and come along with a, a son or a daughter or a neighbour or, or a parent, let's say, that day, they're more than welcome. Um, it's mainly for the main, the big groups that we would look to try and organise when they'd arrive so that we wouldn't have large groups just waiting around there and we're conscious of getting them back to their secondary schools for buses then in the afternoon. So we just mean the main groups, the, the big groups that we're looking to um, put a bit of structure on when they'd arrive on site just so as to be as efficient as possible. Now, last but not least, to give an overview of some of the key team members and organisers, I understand you have an assistant principal for horticulture, an assistant principal for agriculture, and a college principal of various people. So just the names of the key people, the key people who are organising all of this. Yeah, so the the principal here is Tim Ashmore, and he's over the the overall college. There's kind of um, three main um, I suppose uh, divisions then after that in, within agriculture James Ryan is the assistant principal and um, Grainne McMahon is the assistant principal over horticulture and um, the actual course director for equine has retired there last week Rosemary Gaston she was she was over um, over 20 years in that role and uh, contributed an awful lot to, to young graduates going out into the the, the uh, workplace at the at the equine side of things so she has retired and, and Claire Warner is, is taking up that profile um, in the interim. So they would be the main individuals over those courses. It's worth also saying, John, if I could, we also have an access officer, Mary O'Flaherty, uh, who will be on site. And for any learner that would feel maybe cautious about taking a step to, to third-level education uh, because of maybe a, a challenge or a learning difficulty that they uh, have or have di- got diagnosed or have experienced or have soldiered on with, and Mary is there to reassure them of the, of the um, I suppose supports we can put in place for people with dyslexia or dyspraxia or any of the learning difficulties or challenges that they might have. So a key individual there to meet on the day will be Mary O'Flaherty, our access officer. That's the name of the, the I suppose, the, the role as such, and it's to support those that uh, would, would be coming to us with maybe needing a reader or scriber exam or um, a different element of notes or some sort of a facility there to help them understand and process the information differently would tend to put the same award. And finally, Joe, speaking to Mr. Joe Day, Kildalton Agricultural College. Joe, for people coming to Kilkenny from Cork or surrounding counties, just a brief directions as to where Kildalton College, Pilltown, County Kilkenny is actually located. And if you have a postcode or any other indication of its location, all the better. 
Yeah, absolutely no problem. So uh, as such as it's it's um it's very much County Kilkenny and any of the people local here uh, would be very proud of the fact that it's Kilkenny based college, but in reality we're only a few miles from Waterford, just I can I can actually see Port Law in the distance there at the office window and we're very close to Carrigan Shore and County Tipperary. So we're virtually where the three counties meet. In in, in essence for anyone coming from North Cork you're as well off going through um, it's a, a Mitchestown up to Care, San Mel, and into Carrigan Shore that way. And uh, anyone coming from East Cork around the city area, I suppose, I suppose the side really, you're, you're as well off coming via Yall. You're an hour from the gates of Kildalton when you're at the bypass in Yall. So it's um, it's 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 not it's very uh, a manageable journey, a quite good road, and um, as I say, we're literally where the three counties meet. We're crossing the GA pitch in Piltown Village. Uh, it's well signposted, and um, there'll be no fear of finding us on the day. That sounds great altogether. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Joe Day, Kildolton Agricultural College. Thank you very much indeed, Joe. Thanks a million. Thanks very much, John. I appreciate the opportunity. And that's our Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to everyone who contributed to the programme. To the guests, to Barry O'Mahony, Head of News, 96FM and C103, Marie Tuig, 96 and C103, News Reporter and Reader, creator of the Farm Talk podcast on C103 homepage. The Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Saturday mornings, 7am to 8am, and Wednesday evenings, 10pm to 11pm. A very special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Gold Performance Pack. Includes biotin, yeast and protected minerals to reduce lameness, boost milk solids and fertility.